Hey everyone, I'm Matt. I'm Kyle. And I'm Doug. And we're the Casual Tutors, coming at you today with another fresh and exciting episode. This week, talking about our nerd origins as Casual Tutors. Like always, we're going to start off this episode with a little bit of housekeeping. You know, make sure to hit up our socials. We're everywhere at Casual Tutors. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those usual places. We also have a TikTok where I post spicy memes, and I think I'm hilarious, so you should definitely check it out. And, you know, we also have a, a small presence on Facebook or on YouTube, so don't miss that, because one day I'm going to get back to posting on there. So without much further ado, I think we should just get this episode started. Who wants to talk about their nerd origins first? I sprang whole from the, uh, the head of a Greek god, just talking about Magic the Gathering and uh, Axis and Allies. Is that not what happened to you guys? No. Mine was much more humbling. <laughs> Kyle, why don't you start it? The year was 1999. <laughs> I'm just Fucking Zoomer. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in 94, not 99, Matt. I wasn't born a nerd. Can you even be a Zoomer if you were born Debatable. in 1999? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, but... Um, Close enough. No, uh, so, I mean, just about everyone in my family is a nerd. And I guess it would have started either around video games or D&D. I remember playing the first Soul Calibur, which wasn't called Soul Calibur. It was called Soul Edge. Soul Edge, yep. On the PlayStation 1 when I was real little. I used to, one of the like most exciting, like like uh, like that thing as a kid you always look forward to was uh, when me and my sister were with my dad growing up. He'd have D&D and we'd drive into San Francisco, drive into the city, get a hangout at his friends' apartments while they all played D&D. And so that was pretty fun. And then it really, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of you are around it and you see it, right, when you're growing up. But really until, I mean, even really until high school. High school was really when I started. I started playing WoW a lot, which, you know, I feel like there's probably quite a few nerd beginnings out there that start with World of Warcraft. Um, <laughs> yeah. But high school is really when I started seriously playing video games, started playing D&D on my own. I mean, everything before that, you're really too young to kind of understand what's going on. I played video games, and I sat around a D&D table, but prior to that, I didn't really know what was going on. My, my magic history is, is a little different and a little weirder. I didn't play magic for the first time until 2012, and playing magic for the first time is a stretch because I don't... I played Magic in 2012, and I played Magic in 2015. And I played for about six months each time. And I don't think I actually knew how to play Magic until 2017. I don't think anybody starts off playing Magic and knows you're not playing right for, like, years, usually, I would say. Right. And, and, that's, and that's what it was, is I, I thought cards were cool. I thought what they did were cool. I, I, I didn't understand any formats. I, I had a basic understanding of... Four of a single card and 60 card decks and that's kind of what I ran with and we had fun and you know it was each time it wasn't I wasn't going to events I wasn't going to stores I was playing with a couple of dudes so it it didn't last long and then I was you know just slammed into the magic community opening up a LGS and kind of that was really you know you get around a, a decent number of people and you start to see different formats and you start to understand the way things work and also, you know, the greatness of Commander. And yeah, and it all went from there. That did not take very long for me to talk about. <laughs> and mostly, I think you, uh, you, you did a great job making me feel old. Uh, yeah, I will I, say. I really appreciate that. I even put it in my notes. I, I, I am a youngin. I mean, I, you know, just to make you feel even worse, I was a. Uh, I was playing WoW's beta when I was 10. You're like, I have this, my first memory is of Soul Edge on the PlayStation 1. And I'm like, man, that was like my fourth console. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, it's, it's funny now. I, me and the wife, we collect, we collect old consoles. And so we have, um, we actually, I have to fix our NES and our N64 because they're broken. But we mm. do, we own every single console now um i picked up an atari two years ago and then oh, last wow. year i picked up a sega genesis from from a repair store in oregon and so we own every single console now the genesis is a little goofy and it sometimes likes to restart the games when you're halfway through but that's fine um 
Uh, sounds like it, something an IT person should fix. Uh, well, that's a little <laughs> IT out of my range. <laughs> that's um, a little boomer IT for you? Yeah. <laughs> um, and in fact, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I do fix some of them. I mean, the, the NES is there. The NES, it's a common problem. I have fixed it on other people's NESs before, but it requires soldering and I'm really lazy. Um, yeah, no, I have that same thing. I, I've got a copy of Illusion of Gaia for my Super Nintendo right here behind me that just needs the battery replaced on it. And I'm like, oh, I'll have to solder that. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess the NESs have like one of their major capacitors on it is it's got like a, a super common fault. It happens to almost every NES and they just have to be replaced. And I just don't want to open it up and do that. It's fun thing about talking about the collector side of things though. The, the one issue I've ran into, well, the one cool thing is because I didn't grow up playing these is it's fun to play them now. And I have a more of an understanding of the games as I'm playing them now. So I, I feel like I can appreciate them a little more. But unfortunately, uh, I'm a collector, so I want original copies of these things, and they're very expensive, and there's some games that I've gone out of my way to either emulate totally legally or yeah. <laughs> um, or get in recreations, because that's one cool thing, is there are people out there that will take broken cartridges and recreate the cartridge, but since it's not original, you save $200 on that cartridge. But, you know, you, you just get the cartridge. You don't get any of the packaging, and then you can't. it doesn't look good on the shelf. And, and I've been looking for a copy of Castlevania Bloodlines for two years now, and they're in, like, $300. And then, and then you so, get stuck in those loops. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I did not know that we shared this, this hobby, actually, because I'm not nearly as deep in it as you are, but I, I'm sitting here in, in my room with my... Uh, my old tube TV uh, with a PlayStation One, a Super Nintendo, a GameCube, an N sixty four, all all sitting right there with a whole bunch of original games on them and all that kind of thing. And one thing I would highly suggest if you find yourself in that uh, in that hobby is you can chase the white whale all day, but you are going to want it to look pretty on your shelf. Just get one of those cheap Chinese all eight hundred game things and throw it in there uh, so that you can you can do it. Uh, the the way you want to, or or hack your SNES Classic, or or what have you. That's um, I will say my my PlayStation One is a cheater because it is the the PS Mini. I I have not yet to get an actual PlayStation One. Well, uh, if you haven't played Chrono Cross yet, do it. But it's amazing. I'll have to look into it. I'll have to send you a picture. I actually I picked up from an estate sale for the Atari because my Atari, for some reason, it does not. No matter how many adapters I've bought, it will not show video on anything built post 2000. And I have none of the Atari. Is it, is it not the, uh, the RCA connector? No, it's so, so it's a, or it's I'm, a, I'm sorry, not the RCA, the, the coax. The it's coax, a coaxial connector, about. but yeah, for some reason I've got, I've got this old 42 inch Sony that's it's early two thousands. It's, it's really nice. I, I dig it and I use it for most of my other consoles. Cause it's got like, four or five inputs with the, with the, uh, the AV cables. Yeah. And for some reason, the Atari doesn't like that. It, it just, it doesn't work at all. And so I ended up having in storage for whatever reason, an old 17 inch CRT TV and the Atari works great on that, but then you're playing on a 17 inch screen. <laughs> and so we just picked up, it's in the garage. Actually, I get to bring it inside and test it and everything, but we picked up from the state sale, this, 32 inch box on wheels. That's the whole wooden cabinet with the TV embedded in the wooden cabinet. Like, nice. yeah, it looks like it was built in like 1978 or something like that. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's cool, man. Yeah. So I'll send you a picture of that. All I got to, right. like I said, get it inside and set it up. What a fucking nerd. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Well, I, I, I think it's going to be the danger of kind of exploring our early nerd beginnings here is, is we're probably going to find out that both us and whoever's listening out there uh, has quite a bit in common and, and we'll end up getting derailed here. So before I, I further derail us, Matt, uh, how about you tell us about your beginning? Sure. It's pretty your, short and your sweet. Your hero origin story. <laughs> um. So early on as a kid, it was really limited to console gaming. Um, you know, growing up, my brother's six years older than I am, so he had most of the consoles starting like with late NES, and then 
what I mostly remember starting with is the Super Nintendo and then progressing to N64, Xbox, PlayStation, stuff like that. Really, the first game I ever started playing any in any seriousness was Halo on Xbox. Uh, and that, you know, going over to my friend's house and playing co-op and just blasting our way through some alien scum. Heck yeah. Um, kind of my nerd um, was rather restrained. I guess my entrance into the magic world happened early on uh, back in, I want to say like 95, 96, when I was just a four or five year old. And again, having a brother that was six years older than me, him and his friends were into much more mature things. So, you know, getting kicked out into the world while our parents were doing other things in restaurants and stuff like that, following my brother and his friends around to game stores and comic shops and picking up magic product here or there. I remember starting specifically right around the invasion block time and really just collecting cards, having no concept of how magic actually worked and really no desire to figure out how magic work because i was like i said a four to five year old i give a shit i just like the pictures and you know unfortunately i want to say a significant portion of those cards i collected have been lost to time but my dad mm. did find a few of them and really the only thing notable in them was an original invasion block by rexian arena so nothing value wise hidden in there yeah um, i don't know that i can say that i uh when i when i left for the military in in 2010 i left my box of commons and uncommons and i i say box it was probably more like six of them uh i had a ton of bulk like a closet full of bulk that i just gave to my little brother because he was starting to work at uh gaming stores at that point and uh i i know for a fact that in it i had lightning bolts to stack as high as the sky could go counter spells stack as high as the sky could go i probably had 11 or 12 copies of Sensei's Divining Top. I don't know how many Rhystic Studies because I played the crap out of Mercadian Mass Limited. So there's, it, it can be heartbreaking to think about those, uh, those little collections and kind of just what happened to them as they faded into time. Yeah, I know I had a ton more cards that got eaten by the ether somewhere out there. But you know what? I, I take what I could get. I, I like my old frame, Black Border, Phyrexian Arena. It's, it's a special place to me. But, you know, kind of as I grew older, that magic definitely fell off. I stopped buying, stopped collecting all in general. Um, and then I just, you know, pretty much stuck to console games going, you know, through late elementary school into middle school, things like Call of Duty. Um, and I was in the Call of Duty pretty much all the way till like my freshman year in college. In high school, obviously, WoW was a bigger thing. I wasn't 10 years old like Kyle was playing the beta. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, it is a fond high school memory starting th that wild journey. I remember playing the beta and not buying the game immediately afterwards. And then the following Christmas, sneaking into my parents' closet and seeing the retail packaging for World of Warcraft in the closet with all the other gifts. Um, Matt, we're pretty close to the same age. <laughs> close, but I was at 10. The, I'm pretty sure you were pretty close to 10 when the beta started. You would be surprised. WoW's been around for a long time. Yeah, it has been a minute. It's like 14. I, I will say, though, if, if we're going to claim old boomer nerd credit here, uh, I, I militantly played Warcraft 2 back in the day and was in on the ground floor of the invention of tower defense games that you would do by inventing maps and then just basically telling a player, like, okay, you can only build towers. You can't do anything else. And then yeah. the other player would just, and then you'd run just hordes of dudes through it, essentially. Warcraft 2 was a little before my time, but I was really big into 3 and then StarCraft 2. I was more of a StarCraft 2 person, to be completely mm -hmm. honest. Mm -hmm. WoW released November 23rd, 2004. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, end of my 8th grade into freshman year. How old are you? 31. Okay, maybe I was exaggerating a little bit. Year. Because I'm 29. Uh, I'm definitely the old one here at 38 then. The elder millennial. The yeah. elder millennial. <laughs> Boomer tutor. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I had some Warcraft 3 mainly. I wasn't so big into that style of game. I did play a little bit of StarCraft. Really all I did in Warcraft 3 and Frozen Throne was fucking the early versions of Dota. Uh, was more into that than actually playing. I do remember tower defense games too. What other ridiculous games? Diablo 2 played mm -hmm. pretty heavily. Quickly learned that I'm not such a fan of the repetitive season bullshit, uh, which is why Diablo 3 
was never really a thing for me. And then I'm not really interested in Diablo four at all. I'm just not oh, that whole so good doing the same shit over and over again. I will say it's, it's really interesting how much shitty companies molded us. <laughs> yeah. Between blizzards and wizards of the coast. <laughs> um, so freshman year in college, like I said, I was still really just did that console gaming. still played a little bit of wow here and there. Um, the shitty dorm Wi-Fi. And then my sophomore year, uh, when I started working full-time and going to school, uh, I met my friend John, and we both worked at Safeway together. And John's the guy that kind of reintroduced me back into Magic. And this was 2010. And, you know, uh, outside of just collecting cards, this was my first real experience ever playing. Um, and, you know, fell into it real hard. We pretty actively go and play limited and standard, all those other uh, different things at our LGS there in Bozeman. And obviously I was a poor college student because I was working full time and paying for school and all that stuff. And I want to say it was a, a short and hot burning relationship that I had with Magic back then. So I played, I want to say, really four years. Um, I remember Commander starting to come out. Obviously there was that first Commander pre-con product there and like, 2011 i want to say and yep. then didn't re wasn't really interested in that format uh no one in my local meta played commander it, it was just kind of that fringe thing at the time i guess kind of like the way oathbreaker is now but you know 2014 getting more serious uh thinking about trying to graduate finally definitely fell out of magic again but this time i kept the majority of my cards and i knew where they were so Fast forward, graduate college, you know, working summer seasons for the federal government doing various range-related work. Matt, you and have then, a degree? Yeah, weird, right? You're a fucking nerd. Yeah, I have a science degree. Weird. Nerd. But 2016, getting my first full-time permanent gig with the U.S. government, working for the Natural Resource Conservation Service here in Elko, Nevada which is what brought me down. And really, the first couple of years, still, you know, knowing Magic existed, maybe grabbing a pack at Walmart every once in a while, but not even trying to engage in the community at all. Frankenfreds was a thing. I think I saw it one or two times over there when it was behind Quiznos by Dairy Queen, stuff like that, and never went in. And then all of a sudden on Facebook, this stupid fucking brand new LGS started popping up in like 2017, 2018. Right as I had started handcrafting a commander community in Elko. Yeah. It, all it, by myself. No one else was involved. It was entirely me. All these stupid fucking nerds started posting about this new game store. So I went and checked it out. And some douchebag with glasses was there behind the counter and talked about magic for a little bit and came back and played an event. And, you know, shortly after that event, we... We're kicking off that, or I say we, the store and Doug and all of them were kicking off the Guilds of Ravnica Commander Build Contest where you got randomly assigned a guild and had to build the guild deck. You, kind of like we talked about last week, certain other restrictions. And I said, sure. I never, never built Commander, never played Commander, give it a shot. Got Orzov, <laughs> fell straight into the horrible stacks archetype and never looked back. I don't think I ever played against that Orzov stack deck. That's uh, that's news to me. <laughs> yeah, it was gross. It was not I, I fun. I had no um, idea that I had created a monster. <laughs> yeah, I had that deck for a little while, too. I think the last time I ever played it was over at Katie and DK's house for one of their commander events, commander nights. And it turned in like a four-hour game of me fucking trying to kill DK with Edgar Markov. <laughs> Yeah. They're not Edgar Markov. Um, Soren. Edgar wouldn't make oh. any sense in an Orzov deck. Uh, it would be illegal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, you know, setting his life to 10, taking his next turn, shit like that, all while trying to find my own win cons. It was a, a long game, and that deck did not survive after that. <laughs> oh. We've all had many good decks go that way, where, where you have a... You have a, a game suddenly take three hours and you're like, you know, does this thing really need to be together or does that card need to be in it? Is this what I want to be doing with my life? <laughs> doing um, other people's lives? Yeah. And shortly after I started playing in the Magic community here in Elko Moore, uh, 
that same douchebag that got me back into magic also sold his store for some weird reason. Um, I had more things to do. Became more active in the community, helping the new owner of the LGS plan events, set stuff like that. And I also fell head over heels in the Warhammer 40k, uh, which was the gateway drug in the Star Wars Legion, which I still can't get anybody but my wife to play with me here in Elko. But yeah, 40k, haven't looked back. It's a great game. It's like vastly different than Magic, which is awesome when I need a break. And I just love rolling dice, so it keeps me away from the craps table, which See, is even I, better. I've got, I don't even know how many points of Tyranids back in my closet that, that have not been broken out in many years now. And I, the reason why is because the uh, the core rulebook I have is from like three editions ago, and then the Tyranid rulebook I have is from like two editions ago. And I hear a new edition's coming out. So Yeah, yeah. in June. I, I don't know that I'm ever playing uh, 40K. So... I don't know that I'm playing 40K again anytime soon. Exciting news on that front then for you because the core rules and the Tyranid rules, all the army rules are going to be furry in this new edition. So I'm sorry, they're going to be furry? Furry and free. So, and I guess eventually, like if you want to buy like the physical books and stuff like that, obviously you're paying money for that thing. And then sure. uh, on the new edition's release, they're, they're resetting every faction and releasing new rules for those factions to start the edition with. And then they'll be gradually releasing codexes to kind of morph the factions into their own unique flavors down the road. Nice. Yeah. So if there was ever a time, it would be the new edition if you were, were interested. I know Utah has a pretty healthy Warhammer community. Yeah. I mean, there there are people out here doing it. Um, it where, where I'm at in Southern Utah, it is, uh, it's, it's more of a time thing for me, you know? Yeah, but, for sure. And if I was going to suggest anybody get into a miniature game, it would probably be Star Wars Legion. It's far cheaper than 40k. The rule set, I think, is generally better. It has alternating activations and a bunch of other different things that 40k doesn't do. And one past that that I've like been recently looking at is Star Wars Armada. And, yeah, you know, miniature game based on fleet battles, stuff like that. What's even better is that the miniatures come painted. Like huge plus. Unless if you don't like painting, you know, which I, I do happen to fall into that category, but I know a lot of people don't. Yeah, I do like painting. Uh, actually, the one that, just... go ahead. The, the the one that I fell into, and and I wish I had more time to devote to it. Have any of you guys played Gaslands at all? No. So if you haven't seen it, it's the general premise is like it, it's like a Mad Max type thing, but you literally go buy like a Hot Wheels car and just start kit bashing it. And then there's rule sets based on if you want to be like a, a like a beefy truck or uh you know a, a middle of the road like SUV or or just a speedster car that's gonna you know follow it's gonna break into eight pieces if you look at it wrong yeah. Um, and then yeah like you just you try and complete a race while all trying to kill all the other people and that kind of thing it's a, it's really fun that sounds pretty sweet I fall in the camp of happening happening to love painting which is something that totally surprised me because. When I first started thinking about 40K, the painting was incredibly daunting and something that I knew I, was, I knew in my head that I was going to be bad at it because I am not a creative person. Like I said, I have a science degree. I have a science degree for a reason. I'm not creative. But painting actually was far simpler than I thought it was to do good. And I have a lot. It, it's like finding my center when I paint. Uh, I just wish I had more time to do it because I am literally drowning in plastic. And I thought I'd like painting. Uh, my brother actually works for Games Workshop, and uh, you know he he's head over heels and would love nothing more than for me to you know give him a call and be like, so what's this airbrushing thing all about and all that kind of thing. But he, uh, I I with my Warhammer army absolutely hated it to the point that I like paid him in alcohol to paint my army for me essentially. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's kind of it for me. Uh, obviously. I got this move to Boise coming up here in the middle of summer. So I'm excited to move to a new local meta for Warhammer and Magic and just experience new things, mainly to leave Kyle behind. Not like he ever shows up to Magic anyways. That makes sense. I showed up yesterday because you weren't there. Oh, that, oh, that's good. There you go. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. how you do it. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll bust out my webcam eventually because I want to play with Doug again too. I think it'd be fun for us to get some games in. Um, you literally could just use your cell phone. I don't want to. Here's our latest hobby, and that is podcasting. Hear how we do it, and you get the opportunity to do it too. It's super easy. Here you go.
welcome back. Hopefully you learned a lot about podcasting and how easy it is to do. Uh, we got one more tutor to talk about, and he is our resident boomer, as we have established earlier this episode. So, Doug, without further ado, if you want to talk about your nerdy origins. Yeah, so honestly, you know, we've been kind of talking about the boomer thing, but I would say actually the beginning of my nerd origins probably comes from my dad. Uh, not that he's he's not a big gamer or any of that kind of thing, um, but I grew up in a house with sci-fi books from just bookshelf after bookshelf of Heinlein and Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke and all the old, you know, uh, science fiction books from way, way back in the day. And I did nothing but sit there and read them. It was Boxcar Children straight into Dune, uh, like with nothing in between. So that was, I, I would say, probably the beginning of all of my nerddom stuff. I don't know if you guys, we haven't talked about books, but have you, have you guys done any of the sci-fi stuff? I was just about to ask you, have you read any uh, Piers Anthony? Uh, I have not actually. I'll send you some books, but Split Affinity is one of my favorite books. It would be sci-fi from around that era, uh, yeah. but he he's an author that simultaneously writes sci-fi and fantasy in a split world kind of setting. Hmm. So uh, that's interesting. Have you ever have you ever done the uh, Dragon Riders of Pern at all? Uh, Either it, of you. I, I actually think it's on my shelf, but I have a lot of books that I, I have a bad habit of buying like well-known fantasy and sci-fi books and then not reading them because I don't have time. So you don't have to go past the original trilogy because there's like 40 of the Dragon Riders of Pern's books. It's a very deep world, but it, it, it starts as fantasy and then slowly you start discovering things and you're like, wait, I don't know, this is a fantasy book. And it kind of bleeds itself into sci-fi over time as you're dealing with these dragons burning parasitic threads out of the air it's really fun it's really cool anyway i started with a whole bunch of sci-fi books from there we started doing gaming in the house we did not own a console for a long time but my dad did work in computers i always told people before i found out that he worked in spy satellites his entire career because <laughs> apparently that wasn't public knowledge who knew anyway i uh, i i did find that uh he was he went to school originally for finance and then moved into computers. I always told people it was because he figured that was more nerdy computers over accounting. But what that meant is that we always had a computer in the household that we could do stuff. And he would actually try and, you know, get me into programming monopoly uh, in old C and that kind of thing. So I had a whole bunch of the old windows 3.1 and before games, like uh, the original railroad tycoon, uh king's quest uh one two and three if i recall correctly old stuff like that here's the might of magic you know those were always around the household and we were always playing them the original mist was was definitely in that list so i think that was windows 95 heroes of might and magic was such a good game and it, it's one of those ones i played up until probably about heroes of might and magic 5 and then i think there's a couple after that but it's not the same game anymore See, and I, I think that's interesting because I don't think I played anything past the first one. The only game from back in the day like that that I would say I stuck with would be Civilization. I played the original Civilization and Civnet, and it was it, it blew me away then, and it blows me away today. I probably still play more Civilization than any other video game out there. I have seventeen hundred hours in Civ Six. Oh, I would love to know if we are on the same page there. Actually, let, let me see. It's yeah. going to take a second. I, uh, I'm really big into uh, like city strategy games and then like like nation strategy games. So I play a lot of like city uh, skylines and civilization and stuff like that too. I like city builders. I like something Jennifer makes fun of me all the time because she'll look over and I'll be scrolled way into the map, like fixing like <laughs> like intersections, literally like fixing intersections so that traffic doesn't get backed up. But uh, See, that's another one from back in the day. I love me some Sim City back in the day. Yeah, you would really like City Skylines. It's Sim City, but they were like, all right, you have control over everything. You know what Sims game I loved when I was a kid? The that was Sims? fucking Sims Online. See, my I wife is super was super into that back in the day. Played the shit out of that game to the point where like you literally get a full time job in the fucking game. And like it was insane. Like now that I look back at it, that's, uh, that's like I I've always been interested in Eve Online and scared to death to, to even open it because it's that same thing where it just apparently like if you talk to people they're like it just becomes a job. That's what it is. 
Yeah, it, it depends on how successful you want to be in like the Eve world. If you want to play it casually, there's totally fucking shit to do in Eve too. Doc, yeah. I couldn't help myself. I sent you two book recommendations. One's that Split Infinity, and the other one's a John Ringo. He writes kind of like um, uh, who's that military strategy guy that's really famous? A lot of his books got turned into TV shows and stuff, and video games. That yeah, that name? guy, Tom Clancy. <laughs> Tom Clancy. It's like Tom Clancy if Tom Clancy wrote fantasy. Okay, that's a terrible recommendation for me because I hate Tom Clancy. <laughs> I, it, it, what I'm saying is it's like it's like fantasy sci-fi, but it's it's written from the like perspective of a military strategist. Gotcha. And shout out if you want to play Eve online in a casual manner, just play Star Citizen. Hit me up. I will give you a referral code so you start with more money in the game and shit like that. Like, or you can kudos. donate. You can donate twenty five thousand dollars, and 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 maybe you'll get a ship someday. You'll get every ship, <laughs> but yeah, you don't have to do that. It is also coincidentally this weekend's a free fly week and Invictus fleet, so you get a, get a bunch of free ships to fly for the month and shit like that. So if you do want to try it, you know, hit me up in Discord. I will admit, I because I, uh, I, I played the old Wing Commander day, games back in the day as well, and TIE Fighter and X-Wing and all those, and so Star Citizen has always been like, mm, that looks fun. It is uh, very fun to play. But is it yeah, one of those, you I can make that. it a job too, because there's literally like space jobs. You can go mining and sh- sure. it, it's wild. See, all that's, of those. That's another good one from back in the day. If you guys haven't played Warpath, that was a freeware game back in the day that was kind of like Star Citizen with icons. I know that sounds terrible, but it was really fun. <laughs> See, I've tried it. I've tried a couple of the, uh, the like ship simulators. What was the other one that was really big a few months ago? I can't remember. I'll look later. But uh, no any... man's sky, Kerbal space program. No, it was it. Elite Dangerous. That's what it was. Elite okay. Dangerous was another one where you're in like a a spaceship flying through. Yeah. But every single one of those games, every time I load it up, I go to start and I go, man, I wish I had like a joystick and like this and that, and then I start looking at equipment and stuff like that. And then I'm like, I'm not, I'm only going to play this for like three weeks. Why am I doing this? And then I just stop playing it because I'm like, I, I can't do this. I get too hyper-focused on games and I spend hundreds of dollars and I never touch any of that stuff again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in any case, we, we've gotten off, uh, we've gotten off topic here by talking about our nerddom. So I guess we're not off topic, but regardless, I was deep into con or into PC gaming for forever back in the day. And then I fell off of it pretty hard. Uh, but before that, at the same time I was doing all those, those things, my older brother picked up a game named magic during revise. And I was forbidden to play it by my parents. Cause it cost money until I was 10, which ended up being around the time that fallen empires came out. So that was kind of my first set in magic. And I remember distinctly me and, uh, my my buddy Josh Templin, he, I, I just had a sleepover at his house, and he had like a starter pack, and I had a starter pack, and we just sat there with the little books inside of them that gave you a very basic rendition of how the game worked, and tried to figure out how to play the game overnight instead of sleeping, uh, and that was kind of my first time into Magic, and then I fell into it pretty hard. I was a, a tournament grinder, both in limited and in standard, for probably a good five, six years after that. Um, won my first limited tournament, like 12 there, there in town and ended up get taken second in the JSS with the person I literally did all my play testing with taking first the old, in the old junior super series challenges that gave you a thousand dollar scholarship uh, with uh, that was back in the day with counter rebels. And I, I met it at all with a green, red land destruction deck that I probably could still give you the entire list of cards in right now uh, because I was very, very proud of it at the time. But uh, it was shortly after that that I ended up having my entire Magic collection stolen uh, at a pre-release. I, it was the pre-release for not the original Marodin, but the second uh, set in Marodin and, uh, and and basically fell off entirely from, from then on out until about 2010 when uh, a buddy of mine that I had played with at the time, who also introduced me to a whole bunch of anime, uh, because he was half Japanese, so he uh, he introduced me to Akira back in the day when I was probably eight, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff like that as well that ended up taking me down that that road of nerddom as well. Yeah, I but... can't believe I forgot anime. God, there's so many <laughs> so many different like nerd avenues. It it it's mind boggling. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't say I did it 
I was too hardcore about anime in high school, but in college, I really fell into it deep and and started because I had an internet connection and uh, and and that was enough to to get every anime I needed. So I, I fell into it deep in college. But prior to that, I I discovered Commander in 2010, which was pretty early at that point before the precons even came out and that kind of thing. Because he, uh, when I went to visit him after living in Missouri for a couple of years, was like, hey. Have you heard about this thing? I haven't built any decks yet, but you know, you're staying for the weekend. Why don't we build a couple decks and we'll figure it out? And so of course I built a green red land destruction deck because that's you know what I wanted to do. <laughs> I I did not understand the assignment and it, and it went terribly. But uh after that, I, fairly shortly after that, I built my green black deck that's sapling a colfinor that I still have to this day. It's my oops all creatures deck. It's actually oops all creatures now. I know Kyle used to give me crap for it not being, but uh I've stuck with that for a long time and have been pretty deep in magic since that 2010 time period. Uh, so I took about a five-year break from the game and, and came back and have been into it deep now to the point where I write articles for it and all that kind of thing. So it's been a lot of fun. It's funny. I was, I was just sitting here thinking about uh, Nerd Avenues since you brought that up. And uh, the other one I forgot about is I, I read a lot of comic books. And recently, just very recently, I combined the two and I've started reading a lot of manga to show you how much of a fucking nerd I'm, I'm becoming. <laughs> um, and the problem, comic books aren't too bad because while comic books are obviously shorter than um, like an actual book, you can sit down and read a whole comic book in 30 minutes. Mangas are even shorter because mangas are a bunch of, usually a bunch of, a bunch of chapters all thrown into like a magazine, right? That's how they structure mangas. And um, so I literally, like, I started reading One Punch Man yesterday, and I think I've read something like 60 chapters in the last day and a half because you just fly through them. The other nice thing about manga is it's a lot of fighting with not a lot of words, so you're like, yep, scroll through that. <laughs> it's interesting. You would think that comic books would be one of my main things. I was a huge Calvin and Hobbes fan. I mean, I still am, but I was a huge Calvin and Hobbes fan growing up. Uh, I did web comics for a little while online. I, I had bookmarks for web comics that I would visit literally every day uh, that would take up like a half hour of my day to just catch up on web comics in the morning kind of thing. But I never really fell into comic books until late, late. After college, I had a buddy who had just a whole bunch of comic books on his hard drive, and he handed me like the entire X-Men run of, uh, oh, what's his name? Starts with an A. Um, Age of Apocalypse from back in the 80s. And I read all that, and then I followed that up with immediately Civil War and, and those kind of things. But I've I've never really fallen into it where I keep up with it. I just, every once in a while, somebody would be like, hey, have you heard, you know, like, House of M? And I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. I would say most of my knowledge as far as comic book and those characters comes, comes from that time period. And militantly watching Avengers Assemble, because that show is amazing. And if you haven't seen it, you should go get on Disney Plus right now and watch the crap out of it. It's the best kids show ever made. I'll tell you what, man, uh, aside from probably Justice League Unlimited, which Justice League Unlimited is really good, but and Young Justice, I guess. I guess a lot of, dude, I, I was going to say that X-Men, the animated series, is probably the best animated uh, superhero show, but there are just so many good ones out there. Batman, there the animated series was great. Even Spider-Man, the animated series was great. I, I, it's funny that you mention all of those because I'm, I'm a huge X-Men fan. And I really grew up on the Marvel side of things. A lot of my friends in the, the comic sphere nowadays are, are big DC fans. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't turn a corner without running into a Batman fanboy at this point. But I, I hated DC. I hate it so much. And I did like some things. So I like, I'm, I'm a big Hellblazer fan. I actually, it's one of the few that I own a lot of the actual physical copies of Hellblazer. And that was pre it becoming DC. Now John Constantine's pretty big in DC and well known. There's my little, uh, what do you call that for the day? My little, uh, little bullshit fashion. Uh, no, no. Uh, uh, what's a, a hipster for the day? My little oh. hipster thing for the day. Um, Constantine's had a movie made about it. I don't think that it's that hipster. No, yeah. no, no, no. But I, uh, I was into it when it was Hellblazer. No. Okay. See, I uh, guess that's, I guess that is, that does qualify. Cause I didn't know those two things were related. Um, I just I have something to put out there since Kyle brought up DC too. But, George Clooney, best Batman, agreed. 
Uh, no, actually, false. Michael Keaton's the best Batman. But oh, how dare you! <laughs> Recently, I I, as in, in, the, a... in the DC Marvel War, I've definitely always come down on the Marvel side, mostly out of laziness. I just don't like Marvel's deep enough. I don't want to have to get into the copycats that both of them did of each other for the last eighty years. You know, I, I honestly, I think just the the thing is 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 DC writes grittier, right? DC's always been darker and grittier. And I think Marvel's just easy to easier to read because of that. It's easier to read. It's it's a little more lighthearted. There are a lot of super awesome, super powerful people like Spider Man who have who are who are ground level. I mean, even with his abilities, you really look into Spider Man. He's like, you know, could flick you and kill you probably. But probably. It, it, he's he it, their heroes seem more ground level. Their heroes have problems that you understand. You know, like like. Uh, Tony Stark, for example, Iron Man's always been a, a a huge character throughout Marvel and has always been an alcoholic and has always struggled with that and had these problems and things like that. You know, you got like, I mean, I can't make a dead parents joke right now. Well, I was just going to say, like, I wanted to live the dream that if my parents died, that I could come back and fight crime at night. Like, you at least I'm getting something good out of that. A Batman? Well, to, I to, would probably be the fattest Batman alive, but yes. <laughs> to pivot this, though, I, I would say most of my comic book nerddom has actually been research for me. After college and watching anime nonstop for many years back during that time period, I fell into a buddy of mine who had this weird... D&D thing. And I've been playing D&D for a long time. I started early in, in high school. I had a rotating GM group that we had a ton of fun with. I've always wanted to have that again, where you could just have five people and you're like, okay, you GM next session and I'll GM the one after that. And yeah, you wouldn't have the cohesive story, but you would trade off those duties and have a whole lot of fun doing hack and slash type of stuff. But I fell in with a, a dude named Peter who had a riffs campaign that was kind of bastardized between Rifts, which is the most complex tabletop RPG setting you could ever run, and uh, Advanced D&D, so AD&D, the, uh, the, the second edition that still has Thacko in it, to hit against Armor Class Zero. Uh, and I have run with that. Uh, Kyle was actually in a group of mine for a while with that, and the entire idea of it when I sell it to people is just like, you can be whatever you want to be. Do you want to be a Jedi? Do it. Do you want to be... Uh, a firebender let's let's make it happen it's it's because it's one of the most flexible systems that you could find out there it's essentially just like do you want to do it okay let's assign a number to that and we'll make it work kind of thing and there's not really any top base to it like there is with D when you get up into the upper levels you you can get to the point where you're fighting gods and the numbers still make sense you're just up in the millions so that was a, a big deal for me and that's probably a lot of why i went into a whole bunch of comic books and those kind of things because I had a whole bunch of stuff from sci-fi and fantasy that I was trying to apply to that game at the upper levels to find just ideas for cool characters and cool concepts and that kind of thing. And comic books are all over that. They're 100% just, you know, we uh, we turned everything up to 11 and then we went interplanar with it and we're just making it happen. Uh, some time travel, th throw it in there, why not? If, uh, so if that, you can think of it, of well. if you can think of it, it's been in a comic. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I would say that's another Can't big part of my nerddom is just kind of chasing, chasing riffs and trying to keep up with cool ideas for that and tabletop in general. Uh, I'm running a D&D &D 5e campaign right now with a whole bunch of people basically being mind-controlled by a city, and they can't figure out what's going on with that, and it's been just a ton of fun. And I, I, I love tabletop more than I think anything else out there. That may be magic, but, you know, we, we can get off topic every once in a while. Yeah. I actually get to go back and play D&D &D again this weekend. It's We, we had to take a little three-week break because of Mother's Day and all that stuff. I've actually found because, A, I'm a hack-and-slash GM, and I always have been, and I've run as a GM in a homebrew for so long that I don't... I, I want to be a player again in 5e, but I've I've kind of found that I'm... a bad 5e player the reason being is because i'm the second somebody opens a book i'm just exasperated and i'm I'm like why are we why are we pausing 
<laughs> I don't want to be looking in books. I just want to be playing. Yes, D&D. Yes, fun times, yeah. Oh, oh, have we found a weakness in the in in Matt's nerd cred? D&D just sounds like a load of bullshit. It sounds like a game kind of that's like you're talking entire, about, I guess. That's the entire idea. It, it is a load of bullshit, but in a positive way. I don't know. It, it, it's like you were describing. D&D should be about doing pretty much whatever you want and then adapting how the table plays to what you want to do. Whereas in reality, is let's, let's open the book and find out what you could actually do. Well, well I, I, guess I agree that, that would... there are systems on systems on systems out there, though, and a lot of them lean much more towards my flexible way of doing things where you're just trying to feed narrative or what have you or make it up as you go. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it also depends a lot on your GM as well. But if you're not in tabletop because you think it is all just looking it up in books, then I would highly suggest you to look up a couple of the one page, the many, many one page RPGs that are out there because they're everywhere. Well, and yeah. something we'll probably talk about in a, a upcoming episode here soon is something I discovered recently, which are called forward facing RPGs, which uh, are TTRPGs, which uh, are, are kind of, against that opening up the book and having to check every single second mm -hmm. um, yeah, also that's not my reservation why i don't play D D. one i just don't have the fucking time with all the other games i play two like i said earlier i am not a creative person so fucking improving something on the fly with you with the character even like making a character with a backstory not my wheelhouse how, mm -hmm. how to pick out the non-theater kid in the group <laughs> he's not wrong actually <laughs> fucking theater kids were just targets to me in high school so oh that is rough matt we're, <laughs> we're taking away your nerd card that's that's what we figured out this episode that's fine you know I, I think we covered a lot of ground though uh i would say the one thing that i haven't heard a whole lot of including from my own backstory which is a whole here are you are you guys big into rpgs jrpgs because that, that's been a huge thing for me what's a jrpg okay wow kyle uh, i mean <laughs> Continue your explanation, and I'll tell you yes or no. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, uh, when I never, my first console was a Super Nintendo, and the first JRPG I played uh, was unfortunately Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, um, which is it, it's baby's first RPG that Japan literally made because they were like, oh, they they don't understand what Final Fantasy is about. Let's just make a really really easy version that holds your hand the whole time, and it's kind of an awful game, but I did manage to eventually find Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI, which are kind of the quintessential Super Nintendo uh, Japanese RPGs from back in the day. And then I fell into it hard from there. And I mentioned Chrono Cross earlier. That was a big one when the PlayStation came out. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, of course. I, I skipped eight and nine originally, um, but I've, I've managed to go and play all of the original Final Fantasies uh, on top of Several other weird diversions. I also mentioned Illusion of Gaia, which is another great Super Nintendo RPG as well. KOTOR from back in the day, Knights of the Old Republic from Star Wars. Just the general RPGs that are out there from Fallout to all the way back to the original Final Fantasy. Okay. I've been deep into that stuff for a long, long time. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, I I definitely have. Obviously, I'm, I'm younger, so like I started with Final Fantasy X, but don't tell anyone. Uh, um, great, great game. Yeah, I love 10. 10 2 is a letdown, like most people say. I think I played 13, 13 2, and then 15. And then I went back and finally played 7 when they remastered it. Go play the remaster of 12. Mm -hmm. uh, Final Fantasy 12, The Zodiac Age, is a great revisit of that game. And it's actually my favorite Final Fantasy. Mm. Uh, if you have you done much programming, Kyle? You're oh, it -ness? I'm actually I'm in my first programming class right now. If you understand the concept of an if-then statement, you will absolutely love Final Fantasy XII. I feel like it should have been the future of gaming because you can literally program your NPCs in that game. It's funny you uh, say that because two weeks ago, I would not have known what that was, but I do know <laughs> what that is. Yeah. So the battle mechanics in that game for your NPCs are called gambits, and it's literally you get 12 if-then statements. So you can just program those from top to bottom to have somebody heal if somebody gets under this health or attack things automatically, or fix status ailments, do initial attacks, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I've always been confused after I fell into that and, and loved it so much. 
why it's never really been reused in other games. I mean, if you think about like League of Legends, what if you could program your own minions? That would be amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, but apparently I'm in the minority on that, and most people don't want to get into the nitty-gritty that far. Fun fact about RPGs that you said, uh, this is where people question my nerd cred, but I hate the Elder Scrolls games. Oh, really? I do, and I'm a huge Fallout fan. I actually... Uh, actually, I'm in the same boat there. I have played some of the... Uh... I played five minutes of Oblivion. I think maybe yeah. like 20 minutes of Oblivion, and I just could not get into it, but I've played every single Fallout. I actually think... I'd have to go through it, but I think I might have every single special like um, collector's edition thing that came with the Fallout games. So I have like all the strategy guides, I have all the posters, and I even have the, the Pip-Boy, the like functional put your phone in it Pip-Boy. Yeah, I love the Fallout games. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat on that one. I uh, I played a bit of Skyrim and was kind of like, okay, this is like Fallout, but bad. I, I want to go. <laughs> uh. Jennifer, Jennifer keeps trying to get me to play Skyrim, and I'm like, I why? I'm like, why would I don't want to do this? Yeah, no, but Fallout and Borderlands both are, I, I'm, I'm, I've, I've been huge into those for forever. I didn't play a Borderlands game until Borderlands 3, and then I went back and played the other two, because I had always avoided it because of the art style, and I played 3, and I was like, this is awesome. Believe it or not, I don't think it gets any better than Borderlands pre-sequel. I know that's kind of contentious, but... Oh man, New Vegas is so good. <laughs> yeah new vegas is very good matt i don't know if you're being serious about that or not but yes it's a very good game in fact it's it's the best fallout i agree with that all right we've exhausted matt's nerd supply here matt needs to go to bed <laughs> i only drove over 400 miles today it's no big deal <laughs> fucking pulling a goddamn horse trailer oh man well yeah. uh, i'm sure that somebody's making the rpg of that right now like I said, I'm going to write a book about being a rangeland management specialist in central Nevada. Well, make sure you have a chapter for Final Fantasy. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> New Vegas was the best. <laughs> All right. Yeah, like I said, we're done. So without further ado, make sure to hit up our socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Casual Tutors. Our TikTok is the most important thing you can do. Just kidding. That's our Discord. Get on there. Tell us how we're wrong. Tell us about your nerd, nerd origins. And tell us how I don't actually have a nerd card anymore. Anyways, I'm Matt. I'm Kyle. And I'm Doug. And we're the Casual Tutors. Thanks for listening. Uh, heck, heck yeah. Thanks for participating, Doug. See you later. <laughs>